Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the Buster Show. Today, we have a very special guest and somebody who I am a very big fan of, Taylor Lorenz, reporter for the New York Times. My friend, how are you? How are you? Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. So I think, you know, I think a great way to start, I want to I wanna talk about how we met. But before that, for anybody who's been living under a rock when it comes to like digital news um, and influencer culture, what, what would you say is the best way to describe where your passions are? Yeah, um, so I'm a reporter at the New York Times covering tech and internet culture. So I write about online creators, um, memes, gaming, internet trends, um, sort of like anything happening online that's kind of has to do with pop culture. Yeah, the cool thing to me about that is that you're writing about the stuff on, you're writing on the internet about the stuff people care about on the internet. So, but from uh, like the equivalent of if somebody was going to an Ivy League school, you're writing about it uh, on the platforms that people are consuming it, but from the legitimacy of the New York Times. It's just the best. Everything about what you do, I love. Um, I, wanna, I wanna talk about how we first met. Um, because you know, the, part of it's kind of funny. Honestly, do, do you remember that day? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was like, it was like, it was like this Instagram conference thing. Um, Hey, what year was that? When was that even? That I was a year ago. It was like pretty, it pretty. Feels, it yeah, feels that like was like ten years ago. I know. Well, this year is like ten years. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, it was Instagram. I think it was called the Instagram Next Conference, and they had like, you know, all of these different publishers there, and um, I think we were going through your phone. Um, oh my god! Uh, on stage. Uh, we were talking about like, I, I can't, they had me go through people's phones on stage basically and then ask them about how they use Instagram. Which in retrospect was kind of funny because I think I had TikTok as like on the bottom bar. Yes. Like, didn't have Instagram there. So. <laughs> <laughs> and like we were talking about other apps. I don't, I don't know. And like, I think I probably had like, uh, Raya or like some dating apps on there. I don't know, but <laughs> definitely, definitely questionable home screen on my front. Um, but yeah, I remember that. I remember showing up. I had no idea what to expect. I walked in. We hadn't even met before, and I had no idea who uh, Adam Mossery was either, the CEO of Instagram. I walk in the room, and this dude's just sitting on the floor. I had no idea who he was. Um, so. <laughs> Just kind, of, just kind of just weirded out and sat down and then as you guys were talking the wheels started turning in my head um and i it started it started to click um but yeah the, the crazy thing about that is in retrospect you know you led that talk after the ceo and before mark zuckerberg ended up coming out yeah yeah i know i was on stage with uh, all the facebook a-listers that day <laughs> Um, yeah, Adam, I've known for a while because I have written so much about Instagram over the years. Um, and so, yeah, that's right. I think we were in the green room before just chilling. Adam is very like approachable and likes to kind of like, you know, chat with everyone first. You know, he's not like one of those CEOs that's like sequestered away until he has to come out. So yeah. And it was, it was like, yeah, it was you. And then I think two other people, I can't remember. Um, exactly but I remember being in that green room with you guys <laughs> yeah it's so so funny no he's a really nice guy um yeah that was that was a funny day uh so I, I want to ask what stories do you enjoy reporting on the most and why is it platform specific is it creator specific do you like spending time with creators or or does everybody bug the hell out of you how how do you, what do you enjoy doing the most? Yeah, um, gosh, it kind of depends on the day. Like, um, because some de sometimes I love doing stories that are like really, 
like finding something amazing that people that isn't really getting enough attention online that maybe people are talking about, but it hasn't gotten like mainstream validation and writing about it and, um, you know, having it blow up. Like that's always really gratifying because you feel like you really changed or affected people's lives. Um, and then I would say it's also really gratifying to write the kind of negative stories about scams or, you know, I've read about this influencer management company that had taken advantage of dozens of creators. Um, I wrote an influencer management platform that had screwed, um, you know, hundreds of creators out of brand deal money. And like, so things like stories like that sort of get, it sort of like gets accountability um, for people and it still helps people in a different way. So I kind of, I don't know, it depends on the day, but I would say both types of stories are equally gratifying. And of course, I just love writing up like the funny meme explainer stuff too, because <laughs> it's just fun. <laughs> it's fun to just like be on the internet and get to write about it. So. Right, because a lot of the people that are reading what you write as well aren't, aren't in it like that. They're, you know, generally older, uh, you know, not, well, we'll just put it this way, they're not in TikTok's demographic. It's, um, yeah, it's funny too, because like I write about people on every platform. Like I started all of this writing about YouTubers on Tumblr. And then, you know, I wrote about Vine stars. I wrote about people on you now. I wrote about musers. I, you know, wrote about Instagram so much and Instagram influencers. And then since I've been writing about TikTok now, everyone's like, oh, she's a TikTok reporter. And I'm like, I've been doing this for literally over a decade. Um, so I will do it before and after TikTok, but it's right, just like right, right. how new platforms come up and just take over. But I love TikTok. I love writing about it. That's awesome. Yeah, those influencer management companies. I feel like a lot of influencers would be better off just hiring an assistant to handle all of that. Oh, absolutely. Totally. Yeah. Be because everything... <laughs> It's honestly, it's just, it's crazy. Cause I mean, you see these kids, they're 15, 16, 17 years old, you know, being pitched the same thing by like a, you know, sleazy LA agent salesman. Um, and they're tricked into thinking that everything that comes their way isn't going to be inbound and that somebody's actually going to have to do something. <laughs> yeah. And it's so weird too, because like, I think a lot of times it's like, kids managing kids like it'll be like a 15 year old being managed quote unquote by like an 18 year old that has no experience in the business and is totally taking advantage of the other you know it's not to say there aren't amazing young managers out there but like a lot of times it's yeah it's people that don't know what they're doing and and take to absolutely they some of them are taking advantage um right and this is kind of a, a theory that I've had or a thought that I've had for a while. In, and I think it applies here. Um, you know, the reason why I hate the idea of taking investor money from anybody else um, is because, you know, you're responsible for something that you ha you're responsible for doing something that you haven't done yet with somebody else's money. Mm -hmm. um, and it, that's the same thing if you're a manager who's never managed somebody before. You're now responsible for somebody else. And if you mess up, you're not the only person that, that hurts by it. Whereas if you like, like if you started a company or something like that uh, and you put everything in yourself, at least if you mess up, you're the only person that it hurts. Um, exactly. It's, yeah, that's, that's a tricky one. Um, and I love that you call out like the scammers. I, I, I love so much that you did a story on Baller Busters, by the way, as well. <laughs> that account gives me life. It is so much fun. I love it. It's so toxic sometimes, but it's so good. I mean, oh, these, it's so good. These guys need to be called out though. Like all these course sellers and like, you know, phony Instagram entrepreneurs shady oh, it's the worst too like because <laughs> i remember you know the last few years as you've seen obviously as well but like you hear these people you don't really know like sometimes you don't know no because you don't care enough to you know especially you know if you're not reporting on it you don't care enough to look into it um you know like me but uh man some like i had an idea of and then to see them on there i i really shouldn't uh, enjoy it as much as I do, but I really do enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, um, 
That's funny. Uh, so what, what, what have you found? Um, Cause I think one of the most interesting misconceptions about uh, influences in general, and I'm, I'm curious if you share this thought, uh, the turnover rate on influencers being relevant is really, really high. I almost liken it to uh, like an NFL career. Do you see the same thing across social media with most influencers, that high like three to five year turnover rate? Three to five year would be would be a good one. I it's it's sad, yeah. And it's funny because I've see, I've covered this stuff for so long. Um and I've watched so many generations of influencers kind of come up and then some of them stagnate, some of them go on. But you know, for instance, when I was writing about Vine stars in God, like 2013, 2014, like, you know, some of those people, they're, they were very impacted by the end of that, you know, I think like the big, big people were able to move on. But once that platform went away, um, you know, they kind of floundered. And then a lot more just like ended up becoming big on Facebook or YouTube or whatever. But then even then they become irrelevant. I think like you have a, you have a very short window to grab people's attention. And then you really have to like, build it out really quickly you can't coast um and i think a lot of people get caught up in the la lifestyle and caught up in like the social scene of being an influencer and they don't really like build their business and you know mean sort of maintain their fan base because especially if you have a young audience you know young young people are kind of redefining their identities all the time so you know a young person, like when you're watching someone at 15, by the time you're 18, you're maybe going off to college, or you're graduating high school. It's very rare that you'll be like wanting to watch the same YouTuber because you'll kind of want to evolve. And if YouTubers and if influencers don't evolve with their audience, they just stagnate. And, um, you know, it's, yeah, then it just becomes harder for them. And it's, and it's really hard to get the relevancy back. Um, once you've lost it. So it's kind of just like, it's a really tough industry. I would never, it's also just grueling, like grueling. So many people burn out. Um, oh my God. And the toxicity between- Oh my God, yeah. Any single mistake that somebody makes, even if it was before they started. You right. know, I mean, you see it like, an easy example to call up would be somebody like Addison Ray, who probably like liked tweets years before and then got called out for it and had to stop like TikToking for a couple of days, like things like that. It's so crazy. It is so crazy. It's so toxic. Oh my God. <laughs> that is so toxic now, but that's the thing. And then also, you know, you have to maintain your fan base and respond to them. Otherwise they'll you know, lash out against you or, you know, like if you don't take pictures with them when you see them in public, like you have to like, like they expect you to be responsive to such a crazy degree. Um, it's brutal. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. yeah. And then the way that things are twisted, it's, it's almost like uh, your fan base is editing your own reality TV show in the yeah. sense that they can make you look however they want you to look. It doesn't matter what you do, who you are, your character for the most part. If something happens, um, if they, if just a couple people decide that they want to push some narrative, they probably can because people love to take other people down with them, which is the most interesting part about it all. And that's just like cancel culture in general. It is, it is, and it's so bad. Um, and people love to like build people up and then tear them down. Like that's just- oh, It's so crazy. I've, I've seen it happen to Fred. Like I, we both seen it happen a million times. Yeah, yeah. Um, which makes you wonder what the best way to do it is. It almost makes it, like I, I have this thought and I'm curious what, what you think about this because you're, you're more of an expert than I am on this. Um, I think, that the worst thing that can happen to you as you're starting out as an influencer is to go extremely viral. Mm -hmm. I think that is the worst possible thing for a couple of reasons. One, because you have no catalog of content. Yeah. When somebody goes to your page, there's nothing else there. They're just, they're doing that one thing. And then the amount of pressure that's on you to replicate something that you didn't even expect to happen in the first place is yeah. ungodly. And then when you don't do that, people, immediate that first impression is ruined that second impression is ruined and it's going to hurt you long term as opposed to building slow slowly and steadily which i think 
is the winner. And then there are anomalies who are able to do it, do it, like Charlie D'Amelio and people, one in a billion people like that. Um, what are you? What are your thoughts on the on going viral? Like, but even then, I mean, we don't know how Charlie's career is going to go. I mean, I adore Charlie, and she's so sweet and wonderful. But like, you know, she. I think it's all really affected her mental health. And, you know, I, I know she has a great supportive family, but like, we have no idea how she's going to be handling things in three or four years. You know, a lot of people that this happens to like completely burn out or they want to go work behind the scenes. You know, that's not to say that she wouldn't, she, like she's handled it so well. She really has, but like, you know, it's just sometimes you don't know the long-term effects either of overnight success until years later. That's why you see so many child stars you know, have problems later in life, but um, it's just hard. And I, I always tell this to people is that you really don't want fast success ever. You really don't, you don't. Like I have kids reach out to me like every year, like, can you recommend me or can you put me on the, like, can you write a thing for the Forbes 30 under 30 or whatever, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, oh my God, just chill. Like you, you know, a lot of times it's like you're 18, you're 19, you're 20. Like you have so much time to be successful and you don't want overnight success because you want time, like you said, to like build it. Like, I think when you're a content creator, you want time to build up your catalog, find your niche, figure out who you really are on the internet before other people write your story for you. And that's true in business too. Like you just don't, you just want to be able to kind of like build yourself on a steady foundation. Um, but it's hard on the internet because everyone's flexing and like, <laughs> You know, it makes you feel behind sometimes, I think, if you're not, like, so successful by whatever age. Um, right. But now that I'm old, I can say it's better to be slow and steady. <laughs> Definitely still very young. But, um, yeah, I, I think that's kind of the whole mental health side, you know, the intricacies on that end. You know, yeah. when I, I was talking to a buddy about this, right? I opened TikTok. I don't even... Like my for you page is all like people shaking their butts. Like I don't, I don't, I didn't go on here for that. But I could only imagine being a sixteen-year-old or a fourteen-year-old guy or girl, you know, seeing that same thing. It's just, it's like totally unrealistic expectations of like body image of like identity of just having yourself. It's just, it's all aspirational. Like it's, you know, it's just it can be really bad. So I just think it's like important to take time to, to really like get to know yourself and be comfortable in yourself. Cause otherwise you'll just kind of let the internet define you. And that's so unhealthy. Totally. Um, also the age thing is, is a big one. The older you are, the better um, yeah. to really go hard on, on it's tricky because it's like uh, younger people do better, but yeah. you're more likely to be long-term successful if you're older. So mm -hmm. it's really interesting dynamic, but um, I want to talk about the complete opposite. Yeah. Uh, creators, like I wouldn't even I wouldn't call Kylie Jenner a creator, but you look at guys, you look at guys like David Dobrik or girls like Emma Chamberlain, who have been able to create successful products off of their audiences. Um, you know, do you see a day and age where people like that are able to create Kylie Cosmetics esque brands through social? Yeah, definitely. I mean, every I would say for the past two years, like since like 2017, really 2018, that's like when, I mean, even before then people, a lot of like YouTubers, for instance, were creating products and launching lines and doing really well, but they were mostly licensing their names out. And, and definitely in the past three years, like it's moved to this like product centric version, I think, because of stuff like Kylie, you know, people are like, really into launching their own brands and having say in their own brands. Um, you know, I think, yeah, I think that an influencer could, um, I, I think you're, I think you're right. Like Kylie's not a creator necessarily. I mean, she is and she isn't, but like, that's not what made her famous. It's like being it's also not self-made. Yeah, exactly. That's the, that's really my point. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do think that a creator could build, you know, a billion dollar company. I think a lot of them are on their way. I mean, David Dobrik is obviously a huge example. And Emma Chamberlain's done a good job too. I don't really know like too much about sort of like how much money's coming in on some of her business stuff, but obviously she's handled it well. I mean, I look, look at like Greg Goodfried, who's literally one of the top talent agents in the business um, 
from UTA just left to go manage Charlie, basically be like CFO of the D'Amelio family. Oh, um, that was bold. He, I mean, I know. Kardashians, right? What'd you say? They're trying to be the Kardashians. I mean, they're trying. I think they'll they'll probably end up doing something different. But it's like the fact that Greg would leave a agency job, especially at UTA, to go do that. I think speaks to the potential um, or the potential potential. We'll see if it shakes out. But um, the potential. Yeah, but I mean, I think the opportunity is there um, to build to build companies on the internet and. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see. I think that's a much better deal than, you know, some of these TikTokers that are trying to invest in startups, which is generally... Well, these TikTokers, like all the sway boys and stuff are trying to invest in startups. They're trying to become like venture... Oh, I thought you said Starbucks. <laughs> no, startups. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've seen. They're trying to angel invest, but that's a very, very, very difficult thing to do as a professional angel investor. It's so, it's such a low return for like 90% of people. And by the way, they're not the first influencers to angel invest. I've seen like, I'm like Nash Greer and those guys like angel invested and stuff. Jake Paul had his own VC firm. None of these things work out well. So I think you're much better off like building your own brand and building businesses around your own brand than throwing money to other people. Um, Right. Yeah, it's impossible to tell. I mean, for for you to make money on a startup, you they need to have an exit, <laughs> which is so far down the line. I mean, that's I look like it's a way to diversify your revenue, and I get that. Or sorry, you know, income is you're sort of like investing, hoping that something will make it, but it's just it's very rare and very hard. So yeah, I mean, uh, let's say you have a one in a hundred shot, but to get there, you would have to invest what ideally you would be making on the other end it doesn't and that's like like uh, every exit isn't a billion dollar exit you know you could have a five million dollar exit but what if you angel invested seven million before you got the you know uh, just there's a lot going on there um yeah that's um i'm super curious to see how some of these uh some of these people try to continue to build or I'm just curious to see how it all plays out. Um, if you had a hundred million followers today, what would be your move? Oh God, a hundred million. Um, would you start a product? Would you, let's say you have a hundred, a hundred million on Instagram to be more specific. Would you immediately diversify that onto other platforms? Would oh you- yeah. Well, first I thought, yeah, of course you can't just be relying on one platform. Um, Ugh, that would be annoying to have a hundred million. I, I feel like it would, I would have to do something with it. Um, yeah, I'd probably just launch products and businesses and it depends like what you got that hundred million for. Like, do I have to keep up a content schedule? Like, oh. um, I'd basically just try not to lose it and try to turn it into some sort of like long stream revenue generating business. That's not reliant on like me posting all the time. Um, Right, because that really is the worst when you have to post every single day or four times a week or anything that you're not in complete and utter control of sucks. Yeah, it's so grueling. Um, And I just, I don't, I don't really like to be like in the media, you're in a weird spot because you have to be like a brand, but I don't really like being out there. I mean, like case in point, I don't like being on video. I don't really like... um, I don't really like, like, I would never want to be an influencer or creator myself because it's just such a grueling job that, like, I think having 100 million followers would really stress me out. <laughs> Maybe I would try and sell the page. <laughs> Fire. Personal <laughs> brand. That's hilarious. Um, yeah, it would be, it would be wild. And then, you know, the other side of it, which we touched on briefly earlier, but the amount of hate that you get, no matter who you are. Yeah is crazy it's really bad it's really bad i i keep being like this internet cannot be sustainable like the way that people treat each other and the way that people hate on each other and cancel each other with nothing you know like it's just it's it's totally like unsustainable like this is not how people are supposed to interact 
Right, and compare each other. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah, yeah. Do it. Like what? What? I'll even catch myself doing it, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" It's everybody does it. It's natural. Um, but it's really, really crazy because never in the real world do you find yourself comparing yourself to anybody else. It's just not how people are. You you respect the people that are are nice to you and treat you well, and you know you don't spend time with people who don't and that's all it is but on the internet everybody nonstop, 24 7 yeah possible it's hard to be online all the time what what does your screen time look like oh it's so it's disturbing um i mean i'm on my phone like i don't know 16 17 hours i'm just like kind of on my phone whenever i'm awake um which is Is 16 17 a day you just let me look right now yeah, it's been, because I'm, I mean, I'm writing, I write on my phone sometimes. It's less stressful to me to like write on my phone than write on my computer. I don't know why. Gotcha. Um, you ever write on like a, in like a notebook? No, because I, no, I, it's funny. I had to sign a form. I had to write, fill out a form by hand recently and my handwriting is so bad. And I was like, I haven't written in ink in so long it's definitely not as bad as mine I promise you that (laughs) I feel like it's like only I can really understand my own handwriting I feel like a lot of people are like that Um, yeah yeah yeah. now handwriting is such a like you remember in school and we all had to learn like how to write in cursive and all that that there's no way they're still teaching that in school no it's so crazy because like yeah it's it's like crazy okay my average is 11 hours and 44 minutes that's not that bad. Well, here, let me, let me, let me see. Honestly, I will be really happy if I beat you on this one. Um, I guess because I am on my laptop for a lot of the day too. Yeah, you get you get some bonus hours for that. I yeah. am. Oh no, I'm I'm eight forty. Okay. Is my daily. Which so. is, but then again, like I I have my phone when I work out usually, so I'll be listening to music. So I guess that's an hour to two hours a day. Like there, there's uh, sometimes I'll just put music on in the background or watch a video. I don't know. There, there's some negotiables here in the total stat. Yeah, like it's like so right because like I'll see my screen time sometime and I'm like what, and then I'm like oh yeah that was the day I had like nine calls or something you know like right right phone calls totally a hundred percent. I want to ask you if you could add anything. Because uh, I'm super passionate, you know, I, I didn't go to college um, be, for a couple of reasons. One, because I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And I was, you know, I'm really grateful that I was in a position to be able to do that and on my own and those sorts of things. But uh, I also, you know, knew from the jump that for the field that I was trying to get into, I was 100% better off just going out and experiencing it than learning about, you know, sometimes an outdated, you know, method of teaching that whatever I was trying to do. But uh, both in terms of that, and also in terms of like what we could theoretically add to the high school education system to make, because uh, the, goal, the goal of education, obviously it's to, to make kids book smart and to be able to test well and to be able to you know, calculate and know basics of being a human and things of that nature. But I feel like it should also prepare you for the real world. So if there was like some sort of course that could help kids um, in the internet era, what would you uh, think is most important to get across to the masses of, of high schoolers? Yeah, I mean, I think personal finance is a big one. Um, I think a lot of kids are really sophisticated with like making money, but not always managing money um, and knowing like how to pay your freelance tax bill, for instance. Like I, I had my own little business, I had a lot of businesses uh, when I was younger and you know, one year I made several thousand dollars and I, uh, I had this like vegan baking thing. Um, and you know, I didn't realize that you had to pay taxes basically and like kind of got hit with this huge tax bill. And I was like, wait, what? And um, I, it's funny cause like, that was like not even really an internet-y business, but I've seen kids now that like are monetizing their meme page. And sometimes it's all over PayPal and it's fine, but sometimes like they end up doing brand deals where those brand deals are invoicing them and they don't have it all together. And I just think like 
a class that would teach kids about like invoicing, budgeting, you know, managing their money, paying, paying taxes, paying, you know, utilities, setting up their own phone stuff. Like I just like basic stuff that would be really helpful. Um, there's just a lot of like paperwork involved with being an adult and a lot of like stupid stuff that they don't teach you in school and it's really annoying and you have to, everyone has to figure it out for themselves. And I just think that's not a good situation. So I think like, I wish they taught personal finance. And I also think that they should teach like how to find a career. Like, I feel like they kind of give you these options and they, ha and they have all these things of like, um, oh, do you like English? Well, then maybe you want to be a lawyer or something, but there's no way to like really go about it. I wish that they had like a, a class that was just like career day where they just like had actual people in different businesses just come in and like answer questions for an hour about their job. I feel like it would give you a lot more information than trying to like glean what you like by certain classes, you know? Totally. Or be expected to know what the hell you want to do by 18. Right. No one knows. Right. That's a whole other thing. I don't think anybody should have to know. <laughs> I don't think most people know what they want to do. Also, like, I mean, it's a different world than like our parents grew up in. We're like, my dad's been at the same job for like 30 years. That's just not an option for most people now. And so like, you have to have many different careers. Like, you know, I started off in advertising and like brand marketing stuff and like, you know, eventually I'm doing journalism now, but like, who knows what I'll be doing in 10 years, you know, like you have to kind of be able to reinvent yourself too. Um, unless you're going into something like, you know, being a doctor or something but even then um you have to kind of it's the medical system is changing everything's changing so much because of the internet that it's you have to be on top of it a little bit yeah i mean you you said it best in that um you have to adapt and you mentioned that earlier in terms of you know having a a creator presence you have to adapt with your audience and you have to adapt with the world you know regardless of what business or job another class that i would add as well I think just as important as gym, um, like a mental health class. Oh, I, I totally agree. If they had that in every school, like, like talking about literally some of the stuff that we spoke about here, but actually teaching kids that um, and like not to care about a social media following and how many likes they get and like this and that. I think it would do a really a, a hell of a lot of good. I totally agree. I totally agree. And just teaching kids the real harm of like bullying other people of like kind of trying to cancel everyone for like the dumbest stuff, you know, like just like teaching kids to like not care, but also teaching them how to treat other people. Cause I think a lot of times people just see what goes on in the internet and they, they kind of operate in that world and no one takes a step back and is like, okay, this is kind of can be unhealthy. Totally. Um, is there any story or is there any subject that you haven't gotten a chance to cover yet, but you'd really love to, or anybody that you really want to talk to that you haven't yet? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, no, I can't think of anything only because like everything happens so fast. Like right. something will come up and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I have like kind of a goldfish brain where like I kind of, as soon as I write a story, it's out of my head and I don't think about it anymore. And then like, as soon as it goes up and then like, I don't really know about the next thing until I see it. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's something. Um, I, I have to think, I have to think. I sort of like jokingly wanted to interview Jason Derulo about his TikTok presence. And then he gave the interview to Complex. And I was like, no, oh, <laughs> I was just curious how much he was making per TikTok, which is, I think it ended up being like $75,000 or something. Good for that, man. He, he, he reinvented himself. Oh, but that's a good example, right? Of somebody that's like totally reinvented themselves. Um, he did that comeback, which is so hard. Yeah, especially in music. Too. I mean, music's like sometimes if you have a hit song or whatever, but it, it's hard. It's entertainment is such a hard business. Um, and if you're the talent, you it's just very hard for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have, I, I don't have like a dream. I, I like hearing about things. Like I just like hearing about what they, what people are doing. Um, I love when people just DM me to being like, Hey, there's like no pressure to cover this. Cause most of the time I can't cover whatever they're DMing me about, but like, of course, you can only, only have so many hours in a day. Yeah. And I just don't write that. 
many stories. Um, <laughs> hey, kid, you enough hours and you don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's also like I'm writing a book and I do, you know, I do five to seven podcasts a week. So I do a podcast at least, like, I just, and then I also have like speaking engagements. And I going do, on other people's podcasts or doing your own? doing other people's podcasts i'm sorry to admit Buster, this is the number one podcast but i'm not i'm not special in any way shape or form that's what that means it's more like like i i call into like an npr show or i'm on tv or i'm kind of explaining something so there's just a lot that i think people don't realize um comes along with being a reporter mm. uh, so most of your stories though they come from dms and stuff like that or 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 Twitter, trending, Reddit, where do you find the- I see. Yeah, definitely not from like PR pitches. I've never written a story off a PR pitch in my life. Um, it's more just like seeing stuff on the internet. I always have way more stories than I need to do with. Like, I think that being an internet culture reporter, it's like a joke that I would be expected to cover everything on the internet. Like I always tell my boss we have 20 more internet culture reporters and still have so much to cover. Like there's just so many, ecosystems that I'm not like that I just can't cover so I, it's kind of more just like stuff I see and then like I like to write stories that tie into a larger issue so I don't do a lot of like one-off stories I tell people I wrote a post on this but like somebody's success is not a story like you being successful is not a story so many like 90% of the people that pitch me it's like um oh I want you to write a story about how I went from nothing to making $10,000 a month or to getting $10,000 or 10,000 Instagram followers or whatever. And I'm like, that's boring. That's your, that's PR. That's congrats. You're a success. That's not a story. It's not a story. That's, that's baseline. Like you're successful and that's great. But unless you're like Bill Gates level successful, it's really not a story. And even then it's not necessarily a, a story that I would ever write. So. Right. Yeah. Everybody knows how much money Jeff Bezos has. They don't need, hey. <laughs> they don't need us for that. But also, I wish these entrepreneurs would realize that, like, that's not an interesting story. Like, if you have an interesting story where it's like, um, like, you, you, you overcoming whatever odds to be successful is generally not interesting to readers. Like, there's no tension there. The only tension is you, sort of, you becoming successful and you, maybe you not thinking that you could. But also, everybody has the same story. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow, I overcame some odds and now I'm a success. It's like, okay, congrats. Good for you. <laughs> like, right. I don't... Successes aren't created otherwise. It's not, it's nothing like. It's just not like, it's not a story I write. Like I write about culture and trends and like, what does that mean? So it's like, if you became successful and that had some broad impact across the entire industry, okay, I'll write about it. Like for instance, Emma, Emma Chamberlain, like I profiled her last spring. Um, you know, it's like, yes, yeah, she became successful, but also she changed the way that a lot of people were editing on YouTube and sort of pioneered this new format. Like that's, and it, that's more interesting, but. Totally, she did. Um, but yeah, just, I don't know. I feel like everyone gets like a hundred thousand Instagram followers and it's like, you should write about me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> not, not well, yet. Well, it's not like that ask is just because they want to be able to say that you wrote about them. It has nothing to do with the actual story. Right, which is so transparent, so transparent. And so those people I just ignore. Also, the, the way to work reporter, with reporters, I always tell this to people, is to like not just ask for things. Like If you're constantly sending me stories, there's actually a, this kid that I profiled, this 15-year-old meme account admin, and all these other teenagers were like, why don't you profile me? Why don't you profile me? I'm like, Rowan had been sending me stories for years. Like this kid had like basically shown me that he was so knowledgeable and so embedded in this like sort of teenage meme community that I was like, I have to write about him, you know? Um, and so like, that's the best way to kind of talk to a reporter is just not by asking things. It's like anyone, don't just yeah, that's not it. That is exactly how to um, not be a bad person. Help yeah. the person, be nice to them, care about them, and uh, you know, don't have intentions. So just be wanting things from someone, expecting people to do stuff for you. Right. I mean, that's, and especially when you get like, when, you, when you're dealing with people with a following who think that they're like the coolest person in the history of the world, um, then everything is just expected for free. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. 
Um, yeah, no, that's that's really not to like go on a rant, but thank you for listening to me. <laughs> no, no, super, everybody definitely finds that. Super, I know I do. Um, have you looked into LinkedIn at all? Are you? Okay, you're my pathway to LinkedIn because I see you posting on uh, like your LinkedIn posts. Um, I don't like LinkedIn. I've written about it before. Um, LinkedIn is so stressful to me. I'm thinking about deleting my LinkedIn, but I can't because there's so much happening on LinkedIn that I feel like I have to pay attention to. But hmm. um, I don't like LinkedIn because every time I go on LinkedIn, it's just like, you know, hundreds of messages of exactly the type of thing that I'm just talking about. Just some person wanting to promote their stuff to me. I, like, I um, how, how have you, like, I feel like you're like a LinkedIn influencer now. Uh, I, <laughs> I wouldn't say that. A LinkedIn <laughs> influencer? That's, that's. But you're like doing posts on LinkedIn. Like you're like doing like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't really understand LinkedIn very well. Like, I don't, I don't understand how to use it the way that like some people use it where they're getting value out of it. Like I'm not getting any value out of it right now. So the value that I've found um, and I definitely hear you on this, on the, the sense of overwhelming DMs of asks with no, you know, intention of returning any value on that or like, Hey, can we hop on the phone? It's like, yeah, actually we could. I have all the time in the world. I just don't want to. Yeah. yeah. Um, because, and this is something that, you know, I, I think we all kind of learned the hard way, but it's not about how much free time you have or how, you know, how you fill that free time. It's about how you uh, give out your energy and who you give it to. Because if somebody isn't making you feel better, they're making you feel worse. And that has a crushing effect on you and how you feel during the day and how happy you are, which is the only metric that matters. Um, and a five minute phone call, if somebody's just like asking you for stuff or like, it just isn't cool, like that will ruin your hour, if not day. Hey, Buster, um, so glad you're saying that because the biggest trouble that I have is basically like not being able to say no to those type of people. Like people will be like, wait, you don't have five minutes. Or like, I've had people where like, I'm tweeting and then they DM me and they're like, I saw you have free time. And I'm like, no. Like, like you, it's so draining. Like you said, it can just totally take away. And it's hard to kind of explain to people that you're protecting your mental energy by not talking to them. Yeah, they, they just don't understand that yet. Hopefully they do one day. Um, yeah. You know, but it, it is the most important thing to say no to people. Like, there's nothing, there's no better superpower to have than to be like, nope, nope. <laughs> And LinkedIn really builds that muscle. <laughs> so, but one of the reasons why I like LinkedIn um, is because uh, of the algorithm, right? So it's similar to Twitter in the sense of uh, if you like a post, it now appears on everybody's timeline who follows you, know, you that liked it. Um, so that, that's great, right? It's also just a different demographic than Twitter. It's all, it's mostly business people, people in, you know, the business world, in the entrepreneurial world, in, or are in college, in school, in education, trying to get a job. People looking for either is hiring or looking for a job. Usually those are the two types of people that are on LinkedIn. Um, and I've found that when I'll, I'll say things, like it, it's become kind of, um, an avenue that Twitter never was for me and in, in kind of a way to, you know, voice like uh, any, any like philosophical thoughts or entrepreneurial thoughts um, to an audience that because it's much older will perceive it a lot better than Twitter, uh, especially since like anybody who follows me on Twitter is probably just a basketball fan because I started a basketball media company. Whereas on LinkedIn, I'm perceived as like an entrepreneur who built that thing and did that that thing and whatever, but more than that. Whereas um, anywhere else, there's not enough, um, uh, not taken seriously enough from an entrepreneurial or business sense. People just don't want to see that. Um, so I'm slowly transforming my other platforms into being a little bit more like LinkedIn, having people, you know, 
think more of that of me, but LinkedIn has been such an amazing place for that because of the algorithm allowing me to reach new people that way. And it's similar to TikTok in the sense that it's a content deficient platform where there's more people, way more people consuming content than posting content. And those are the platforms that are the easiest to build on organically. Uh, so LinkedIn, LinkedIn is, is great for that. And you can really see crazy virality there. Um, but again, the cool thing is there aren't that many, you know, 20 year olds who are on there every day as well, posting, you know, sometimes I'll post 10, 15 times a day on there, but it'll be like one line posts, um, you know, whatever. And sometimes I'll even post basketball highlights and stuff like that on there. I don't care. Just do whatever I want. Um, but I do like it for those reasons. So I do, I do have to say that it's good for that. Also, uh, from a networking perspective, if, um, so I have like 10,000 followers, I think on LinkedIn. Um, I think there are under a hundred people. I'm probably wrong on this, but I think there are around a hundred people, uh, with a hundred thousand followers on LinkedIn, which, so like a hundred thousand on LinkedIn is insane. That is so many. Whereas on Instagram, everybody and their mom has a hundred thousand followers. Right. Right. Um, so it's really interesting on that front. There aren't very many big creators. Um, and I think it's still early for the platform. They have like 400 million users. They have a lot of people, but um, not that many, you know, like real influencers. So I think it's, uh, it's interesting. And from an opportunity standpoint, you know, it's also great for me. Cause if I'm like, uh, one time I posted, Hey, does anybody know a health coach? Cause I want somebody on the podcast who can talk about diet and nutrition. And I got like 20 emails and I was able to sift through it and find this amazing woman, Holly Ladd, who came on the podcast. And, you know, for things like that, it's, it's also great too, which um, on Instagram, yes, that could be done, but I would have to sift through a lot more crap. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's okay. All right. I might get more on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm open to this. Because like you could share, uh, you could share like your process behind um, posting about this stuff and instead like or in addition to going on like the seven podcasts a week you know you could be sharing about your job and your expertise because you're one of a kind in, in the sense of what you do for who you do it for and you know just in every way right but you should be you could be posting about you know the process behind those things uh, and how you how you do it and I know people on LinkedIn would eat that up yeah yeah all right i'm gonna i'm gonna try <laughs> to like find my password and get back in <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the inbound is brutal that will never change it'll actually only get worse yeah they need better like filtering on messages and stuff you know what i do so i added a an emoji in front of my name on linkedin so oh. if you go to my account it says uh it there's a basketball emoji and then it says buster share the reason I did that is so that I can tell when messages are automated or not. Oh. Automated have... messages will say, hey, basket insert basketball emoji. Oh my God. Wait, I love that. Okay, wait, this is a good hack. Yeah, wow. so that's how I'm able to tell if some if a message is automated or not. It'll have the emoji or it won't. Okay, this is a good, that's a good, this is like, I'm learning a lot about LinkedIn today. I love this. <laughs> Um, but yeah, those are like little, little things. Um, yeah, there definitely are a lot of like, just like any platform, there are a lot of like really scammy, weird people on LinkedIn that I try to stay away from. Um, but there are some really cool, like, you know, younger entrepreneurs, um, who are, who are sharing valuable stuff. And I, you know, in, in some sense, I think there's a lot to, a lot to learn from there. Um, so I'm, I'm a fan of that. Uh, what's your favorite platform though? What do you spend the most time on? Um, I mean, I love TikTok, obviously, um, because it's just fun. Um, and it's just, well, I don't know. It's just entertaining. Um, and then I like, like, I don't know. I spend the most time on Twitter because like media in, in the media world, that's just like where people are like that's kind of where you have to be all day to find stories um but i hate twitter the most <laughs> i hate it the most yeah twitter is so toxic and bad um damn i'm not i'm not really on twitter like that i don't even know oh twitter like media twitter is crazy like media twitter is 
just insane like journalists like trying to kind of like dunk on each other or like I mean I don't really like get involved in that stuff but like there's a lot of like crazy tech people on Twitter um like all these Silicon Valley people are always like yelling at me um one time I told I like tweeted that Silicon Valley like investors like don't know anything about creators which is true they literally don't and they like literally lost their shit for like a whole day at me and uh, I'm like sorry but you guys are literally so out of touch um so maybe don't cry about it you're just making it look worse but um I don't know like so that part of Twitter I hate but Twitter is very useful I would say Instagram is also like I have a private Instagram account where I just share stuff to like my friends um so I like go on there a lot. Very cool. I need to become one of these friends, by the way. I want to. Oh yeah. Want to support your personal account? Yeah, you, Buster. I'm gonna add you from it. It's it's like basically like it's more just like a, a second account. I started it a little while ago. I don't really. I post on my stories there. Um, I I basically like my main account is still my main account, but and I post on my main account the most. But it was more like I was missing posts from my friends because I follow some a very elongated way of saying that you have a finsta yeah basically yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you have to have one at some point when you have when you follow too many people totally so, um, um last but not least I know we've gone way over how much time you suggested we do so I, I appreciate I pleasure and I value your time uh where can people follow you on your real account if they want to when they yeah. Well, it is my main account. Like, it is the place I post the most. It's, <laughs> I, I don't want people to think that they're getting, like, you know, a secondary experience. Uh, but it's at Taylor Lorenz, just at T-A-Y-L-O-R-L-O-R-E-N-Z on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, everything. Well, everybody, go follow Taylor and don't ask her for a story. <laughs> <laughs> but send me cool stuff. I like but Send her the cool stuff. <laughs> Taylor, you're the best. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, peace, everybody.